Good morning. <clears throat> My name's Dell. For those of you who don't know me, I'd love to meet you personally. Uh, we are continuing this morning our series in Colossians on transformation of the heart. Before we jump in, we're going to be beginning in verse 15. If you want to open your Bibles or your phone app and uh, follow along here, we're going to be 15 to 23 is our text this morning. Um, but before we jump into that, I wanted to say one word about the meal after the church or after church today in the gym, chili and stuff like that. Um, we, are, we are introducing uh, a new class that we'll be meeting on Wednesday nights. Bill Zebel uh, and I are going to be doing this together. And um, it is going to be on the good and beautiful God-life relationships. Um, and the center of it is... Uh, moving into and cultivating health, spiritual health, full holistic health in our lives. Um, and health is not just the absence of dysfunction. So we're going to be, we'll be looking at some things that actually need to be overcome, but it is also the presence of thriving. Do you agree with that? So healthy things grow um, and they flourish. And so we're going to be looking at uh, yeah, just the cultivation, uh, the practices, attitudes um, that we learn from Jesus that help us to cultivate that kind of experience in our lives. So you're welcome at, you're welcome at the lunch uh, to hear a little bit more about that class, and then certainly welcome uh, beginning this Wednesday night uh, here at the church uh, to be a part of that, okay? Now, um, the passage that we're about to dive into, um, many scholars would say is the most important, um, most beautiful section in all of the Bible about the person of Jesus Christ. Um, and the reason that that is so important um, is that we are talking about the gospel or the good news of Jesus Christ. And last week, Pastor Dan started that series. Um, earlier in chapter one, the, the apostle Paul calls this gospel the wonderful news of God's grace. Um, and so all of that good news, which is what gospel means, is centered in a person, and the person is Jesus Christ. And so we're going to begin reading um, in, in verse 15. So here's what we're given first. Christ is the visible image of the invisible God. Now, we pack a lot into a little word when we say God. Would you agree with that? Um, all of us this morning have come in with a formation. In other words, there have been pieces, pictures, pieces of information, pictures, you know, that we got maybe from childhood, from parents, from grandparents, from people that went to church or didn't, um, things that you've heard, read, and all of that, you've had to distill as best you can into one little word, God, right? Now, can we agree for a minute that the pictures and the images and the definitions of what we would say is God would vary probably with as many people as we have in this room? Right? So in other words, we would have some related things and some things that were different. We would have certain feelings and emotions when we say that word. We'd have certain pictures. We'd have some, some images. Um, and that's just part of the human experience, right? We're limited. We're finite. 
um, and we do the best we can. But secondly, could we agree that those definitions, assumptions, images, pictures, feelings that we associate with the word God are not God? Could we agree about that? That those pictures themselves are not God. In other words, all of us enter worship of God, talk about God, you know, like learning about God from a slightly different place. And those images, pictures, or whatever are not themselves God. So then you see the power of this statement. So what the Apostle Paul is saying is that in all that could be thought, felt, or seen about God, there is actually a clarifying process, a definition of God that actually centers in a person, God's Son, who is God, who came to make the invisible God visible. So this is, this is pretty amazing, because what we learned right off the bat about one of the reasons why Jesus is enough, like why Christ is all, is that Jesus literally is God's face. So that whatever we're going to say about God, think about God, feel about God, must fit the face of Jesus Christ, which is sort of why we call it Christianity. It's the, it's the way of the Christ. Um, and there was an interesting discourse between Jesus and one of his disciples, Philip, who said, you know, you talk a lot about your father God. Would you show us the father? And Jesus says in John 14, 9, Philip, Anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. So he was, he was saying, God has a face, and it's me. And so when we want to clarify, grow into our vision of God, we do so by being taught by Jesus himself what God is like. Because Jesus, all through his ministry, if you read the Gospels, he insisted on one thing repeatedly, which was that he was from God, that he knew God, that he saw God. And, and, and in some ways, you could define all of what Jesus said in the New Testament and the Gospels as him going around saying, you've heard that God is like this, that my father is like this, but I'm here to tell you that he's actually like this. And he told stories, parables, he did teaching, primarily to clarify what he saw and what he knew about his father. And I, I commend you, for example, if you want to do a little further study on this, like just read the gospel, Luke chapter 15, where he tells three beautiful stories there um, to help people picture what his father and what his father's heart actually is like. But what, but what I want you to see here is that Jesus is God's face. Okay? Secondly, second part of verse 15, this Jesus existed before anything was created. And he is supreme over all of creation. Now, what, what I want you to see here about Jesus is not only he the face of God, but that Jesus was a son 
before he was a creator. Now, say, why, why is this important? How do you get that from the text? Well, the text just tells us that Jesus existed before creation, right? So in other words, before there was anything, Jesus was. And Jesus was not alone. He was with the Father, and he was with God the Holy Spirit. This is the mystery of the Trinity, the, the nature of God, that God is three distinct persons, yet one. Um, I won't even pretend to be able to explain that to you in, a, in more than that right now. Uh, but what I want you to see is that God, the very nature of God, exists as a family of persons. That he exists eternally in relationship. Um, and in fact, if you go to the very beginning of the Bible, um, in Genesis chapter 1, we're, we're told that God created the heavens and the earth. And then we're told a little bit later in Genesis chapter 1, verse 26, that there was a conversation in heaven before creation. And God said, let us make man in our image. Do you remember that? Genesis 1, 26. Now, who is the us? Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. So it's not, in, it's, not an in, it's not an incongruence here here to say that in the beginning God created and then this text tell us, tells us that, that Jesus was the agent of creation, right? Because Jesus was a son before he was a creator, the essential nature of God is relational. Now that explains human personality. It explains why love is fundamental to the human person, that we, need, we are more than just cells and atoms that we need more than just physical sustenance to, to fulfill the human heart because we are made in the image of a God who is love. The Apostle John would later say that. God is love. Love is not something that God does. Love is something that God is. Um, and so at the, very, at the very core of God and our theology of God, in the face of Jesus Christ, he comes to us with a father, and in a family relationship because God is love. Um, and by the way, I was told by a, uh, by a theologian um, 20 years ago, it kind of rocked my world. He said, you know, if you look at Western systematic theologies and you open the book, textbooks at college, you know, or seminary, the very first chapter they're going to give you on God is that God is sovereign. And what he said was, it's not that God is not sovereign, but before there was anything to be sovereign over, God was a father and he was a son. He existed in relationship. So m fundamental to the nature of God is not his power. It's not, it's not primarily a ruler, although he is. He's a father. And he's a son. He loves by nature of who he is. And everything that flows from God is love and relational. Okay? Now, Deep stuff. We're only in verse 15. Okay, verse 16. Look at this. For through him, that is God, Christ, God created everything. Everything was created through him and for him. And if you look at your Bible, I'm skipping some stuff for the slide. It's like things in the heavens, things on the earth, thrones and dominions and authorities, both things that are seen and things that are unseen, all things were created by him and for him. So that we could say this about the Christ. Jesus is the agent of creation. 
who created everything and everyone. Verse 17, he existed before anything else and he holds all the creation together. Now this is amazing. Jesus is not only the agent of all that is, he is also the sustainer of all that is. Now think about this for a second. According to this text, the God of love who created everything holds everything together by the word of his power. Which means that Jesus has a vital connection to everything and everyone right now. Because without his agency in holding all things together, all things would cease to be. Okay? So whenever we talk about human beings being separated from God, well, we mean that in a very specific sense. Okay? Because before repentance, before anyone even hears the name of God, they are not only created by God, but they are held together by him. And so Jesus' authority and connection to everything uh, is, is incredible, okay? To everything and to everyone. Now, Christ is the head of the church, which is his body. He is the beginning, supreme over all who rise from the dead, so he is first in everything. Now, the part of the gospel, the good news of God's love is that he is, he is not content to leave the world in any condition other than the one that he intends for it. And so the world in all its brokenness and its fallenness and its alienation, God loved the world, John 3.16, right? So loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. So Jesus comes from God, from the love of God, as the agent of creation, as the sustainer of it, to redeem it. Okay, this is what this is saying. And he is not only the Lord over what has been, he is the Lord over what is coming, right? So he is the one who holds the keys to life and death and to all salvation and renewal of everything that he's made. Um, and he is the agent and leader of this new family, this new creation that comes again from the heart of God and his love. Verse 19, for God in all his fullness was pleased to live in Christ. Now, uh, this means that when Jesus was incarnated, born into this world as a human being, he brought all of God to earth. That the fullness of God lived in him. So, he, you know, we teach that Jesus was fully human, he was fully God, and he was not like partially God. All the fullness of God lived in him. The Apostle Paul later would say in the letter to the Corinthians that everything that Jesus did on earth in his redemption, including going to the cross, dying there, including being raised from the dead, that God, 2 Corinthians 5.19, was 
in Christ, reconciling the world to himself, not holding their trespasses against them. Now, what I, what I want you to see here is that any notion, I know these are mysteries that are hard to communicate about, so functionally when we talk about these things, it can be a little confusing. But let me clarify this. Sometimes we get the picture that Jesus and God are sort of on different teams, that God is upset and Jesus is saving us from God. And what I want you to see here is that Jesus the person of God lived in Christ. God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not saving us from God, but saving us from our sin and alienation. Okay, and this, that's a critical difference um, because sometimes people carry views of God that come from this that are unhelpful. Let me just put it that way. It's unhelpful because we picture God as sort of an angry judge hanging out over the porch of heaven ready to whack us and Jesus is sort of shielding us. And what I want you to see here is that this is not the story. That God was in Christ reconciling the world. Jesus brought all of God to earth. Now look at verse 20. And through him, God reconciled everything to himself. He made peace with everything in heaven and earth by means of Christ's blood on the cross. Now, any Greek scholars in here that can tell us what the word everything means? I think a loose, accurate translation would be everything. Okay? So what we could say is this, that Jesus brought all of earth, that's everything, back to God. That's what this text is saying. That in the mystery of the atonement and of what was accomplished on the cross, God in his love was bringing all of himself and his power, his intentions, to earth in Christ, and Christ was bringing all of that back to God. Now, this includes you, who were once far away from God. You were his enemies, separated from him by your evil thoughts and actions, as a result, he has brought you into his own presence and you stand before him without a single fault. Now, it's interesting. Paul has covered a lot of ground, hasn't he? <laughs> He's gone all the way from before creation, through creation, into creation, back into new creation, and he stops here in the middle of it to go, oh, and by the way, that includes you. Um, you know why I think is that somewhere at the fundamental place of our hearts we most need love but somehow at the most fundamental place of our hearts we just don't believe that love good news grace could really be for us. Anybody like that in here this morning? It's just hard to believe. Like, like we know our unworthiness. We feel our shame. We have fear. We sense alienation. We wonder about so many things. And even 
the most incredible good news of all can bounce off our hearts like Teflon. And so Paul stops in the middle of this, these incredible declarations of power for the whole human race. And he says, this actually includes you. This includes you. The good news of the love of God is for you. Verse 23. But you must continue to believe this truth and stand firmly in it. From which uh, I will state this about, about Christ. Believing this good news about Jesus Christ is what ends our alienation. Again, at the, at the fundamental levels of the human heart, we do not believe that we're loved. And when we do not believe that we are loved, life becomes a threat. Because what is at stake every morning when we walk out the door not knowing to the core of our being that we belong and that we are loved and that there is a, there is a place for us is the need to wring out of people and out of life what we might not otherwise have unless we earn it, demand it, manipulate it, take it. And in some ways, the whole sad story of the human race is people just like us who develop adaptive strategies to get what they think they must have that is theirs by gift from the love of God. Now, many of you know that I'm a counselor in my day job. And it's interesting right now because um, as technology has gotten more, uh, you know, advanced, we're able to see now inside of the black box of the human brain okay, in ways that never were before possible. So they're doing all kinds of brain scanning and how the brain develops and from infancy all the way through the lifespan. Now think about this. A baby comes into the world so incredibly cute but so incredibly helpless. Would you agree? I mean, they're dependent on their primary caregivers for everything. They don't, have, they don't have language ability. They don't even have a conception yet of who I is. Identity doesn't develop until later, right? So there is no I. And basically, all that a baby can do to communicate their existence is to cry. Cry when they're hungry. Cry when they're sad. Cry when they need to be changed. Okay? And as we're interacting, you know, with, with, with our babies, when a baby cries, what does an attuned adult or a caregiver do? They come, right? So I cry, you come. I'm dysregulated and upset, you come and comfort me. Okay? And when that happens on a pretty consistent level, so you have an attuned, responsive caregiver, as a baby develops language skills and eventually a sense of self, the baby forms a sense of themselves around three or four fundamental beliefs. I'm loved, 
I belong. The world, although it's big, is safe because I, I, I'm surrounded by people who care for me. Okay? That's one place of being. When that is disrupted, you can see this on the brain scans, the belief is that I'm not loved, I don't belong, the world is threatening. Okay? And really, the life path of people fundamentally diverges kind of around this difference in our brain formation, okay? Um, because it relates fundamentally to the way that we process shame. And I'll talk about this in a second, but, but what I want you to see here is that the apostle is saying that belief in the love of God, that he can be trusted, that from beginning to end, he has provided everything that is needed for you to be Safe, secure, and that he will never let you go is the only thing that can end the alienation of the human heart and transform it. This is why fundamentally believing the gospel of Jesus Christ is so important for you and for me. Now, he says, don't drift away from the assurance you received when you heard the good news. So, continuing to believe this good news is the key to joy and to transformation. So in other words, you can hear the good news, be overwhelmed by this incredible message of God's love, okay, and it kind of like, it sort of ignites something in you, but then you have to get up on Monday and you have all these voices in your head, right? And you're, you're, you're trying all these adaptive strategies, and they're trying them on you, and you get hurt, and you get beat up, and, you, and there's this inner narrator. And what is it that continues to heal and integrate the human heart? It's the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's the good news of his love. It's the message that your heart most needs to hear at its deepest level, because this is what rewires you, not only your brain, but every aspect of your person. Now, this is what the Apostle John said about this. I'll re read this in this context. As we live in God, our love grows more perfect. Such love has no fear because perfect love expels fear. If we are afraid, it is for fear of punishment. And this shows what? This shows what? That we have not fully experienced God's perfect love. See how that works? So taking in the gospel, the love of God, to the deep structures of our beliefs about the way the world works, about our identity, about what gives us belonging, safety, security, penetrates our adaptive strategies that are coming from these beliefs that we're going to be cut off, 
that we have reason to be afraid. And this is why the gospel of Jesus Christ has the power to rewire, transform, and change behavior, attitudes, perspectives, because when you deal with the root, like Jesus taught us, the fruit changes, right? When you try to simply stop the fruit, the behaviors, without going to the heart of where that's coming, you're, you're, you're running an uphill battle. And all of this comes back to the good news of Jesus Christ. Because shame, shame is like a warning light on the dashboard of your car that tells you, you know, like, hey, this needs attention. In other words, you're leaving the path of who you are and the path of love. Come back to it. So shame either invites us back to love or it disintegrates us into anxiety and hiding. And basically, like, as a counselor, I work with this all day. That basically when people don't believe this at the core of their being, everything becomes anxious or avoidant. Because the only way that you can, shame becomes toxic. Fear becomes toxic. Guilt becomes toxic. It disintegrates the human person. And only the gospel of Jesus cuts underneath all these self-made strategies and heals the heart. So the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ is simply this, that before creation, in creation, in the middle of creation, in new creation, Jesus is bringing all of God to earth and all of earth back to God. He will never stop because he is love. And you can trust him. And as you come to believe this, it ends your personal alienation. As you continue to believe this and learn from him, you become perfected in love. You are rewired from the inside. And the fruit of your life becomes love and joy and peace in the Holy Spirit because this is what the Holy Spirit is all about also. It's producing this kind of fruit in our lives. All of this because Christ is all. Let's pray. Lord, we just want to take uh, a few minutes looking at your word, looking at you in the face of Jesus Christ to let the simple message that Jesus loved me sink into our hearts. 